verse 62. Go ahead and take your chairs. Luke 9, 62. As you're looking for it, how many have ever experienced fear? I mean, real fear. You know, um, when I grew up, and, you know, my nephew's here, and he, he I, you know, been with me all of my life, and um, he knows. Um, but I grew up in a house where my, my mother practiced witchcraft, and I was, I lived in fear every night. Um, I would rather roam the streets, and that's probably why I was on the streets all the time, but I never wanted to go home. You know, because some, you know, and I, I listen to other people growing up, and they go, wow, I feel safe at home. And I never had that growing up. It's like, I ain't going home. Why not? I go, there's the devil's in that place. I know there's something wrong with that place. So I was afraid of my own house. So fear and me were like, were, were, were partners. And then I would always question myself. You know, I, I got real um, angry. And, I, and because I was always afraid, I would question my manhood. Like, why am I always afraid? Why am I? So because of that, if somebody got my my face, I want to knock them out and show them how, how you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, bah, 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 bah. And it was really, I wasn't even mad at the guy. I always had this insecurity about my manhood because I was always afraid. And I didn't understand it. Right? So it kind of came out. Because fear will damage you. So we can't let, that's the name of the title. The title is, don't let fear hold you back. Luke 9, 62 reads like this, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Father, I thank you. First of all, I thank you for your ability to immediately deliver us, to set us free. It doesn't have to be a progress, progression. It happens instantly if we would only open our hearts. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would come with power and authority and touch people, change lives. Because if lives aren't changed, then what good is a church? Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to face obstacles. Every man, woman will, will face obstacles. And as you're walking... In this walk as a Christian, your adversary wants to make you unfit, right? And he, he doesn't want you to do what God called you to do. So as I think about that, I think, okay, what kind of obstacle are there? You know, what is in front of us? It's not like a track or, or wall. What is it? And, and I'm thinking about people in general. I can tell you, talent won't keep you uh, from service. If you have talent... It won't, it won't, that's not an obstacle. It shouldn't be. Education or money is not an issue. If you have it, wonderful. You know, education, great if you don't. But neither of those are going to keep you from service. Your spouse, hello, somebody. Don't look to your spouse. but Don't blame them. Your walk is between you and the Lord. Right now, if you're married, there's a little, there's an order of things. But neither of you can keep you from God's call in your life. Right? However, when I think about those things, the enemy uses those very things I mentioned to mislead you, right? See, talent can lead to pride, which is a door to, to fall. You know, because some people, you know, I have talent, I got all this, I'm, 
I'm all that and a bag of chips. Well, forget it, I'm two bag of chips, right? And, and talent can cause you to fall, right? Uh, uh, um, uh, education, and education it, it can make you so wise you profess to know everything and really become a fool. Uh, uh, my, my, my biggest obstacle, I always got to be careful uh, around uh, others and that are more anointed than I am, and they're not as educated. Because the education doesn't anoint you. God anoints you. Right? And so you have to understand that. Money, with the love of it being the root of evil, is very deceptive. Everybody, you ha everyone here has a few dead presidents that they really admire and love. Uh, and and, and th that, that, that dead president in your pocket can lead you away from God. It's very deceptive. You can't blame the money. It's really you, but these things that are, shouldn't be a hindrance, could actually be a blessing, are the very things that will cause you to stumble. If you're single, your love interest could be a stumbling block towards your potential. So that, that emphasizes that if you're going to date, and you, you know, it's not good for any man or woman to be alone, but you better date the right one. Don't, don't have one of these evangelistic dates and, you know, you're in church and you go to the bar because you want to get somebody saved and date them. No, 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 you don't want to do that. We don't believe in evangelistic dating, amen? You want to choose wisely. Praise the Lord. See, these, these realities represent the only, uh, the only, don't represent rather the only thing that will hinder your destiny. So when I'm thinking, okay, what's going to hinder our destiny? And really, it's something that you hold very dear to you, your heart. It's not these things. Oh, these things, like I said, are good. But the heart begins to speak, and sometimes we make excuses. Anybody ever do that? You know, you can look at that and, well, oh, this person irresponsible, untrustworthy, unreliable. Or maybe they're insecure, they're wavering, rootless, uh, they're weak. Uh, maybe they're slothful, easygoing, lazy. And we can say all those other adjectives, but, but it's an issue of the heart. What's going on inside? See, the reason, uh, well, let me say, there, there are many, many reasons. They look, but those are just symptoms. You know, you can't, you can't. Uh, treat cancer by, by treating the symptom. You know, cancer will give you a headache. I don't care how many aspirins you take. Uh, you may get rid of the headache, but you're still going to have the cancer. You have to treat the cancer. Right? And so the cancer are not the symptoms. It's not, it's not the beautiful house you have. It's not the Lexus. It's not the clothes. It's not, it's not the, the, the wife. It's not the dog. It's, not none of, it's none of that. It's something inside. It's real deep. Right? Because those things are good things. Amen? God bless me and Sammy. And when I see somebody driving by in a Lexus, I go, that's a good thing right there. See, it's not the car's fault. If I allow the car to mess with me, it's my fault. Amen? So while there are many reasons, one thing that is very apparent, that people make excuses. We know that. And then I sat there over this weekend, and I began to boil it down. Okay, that's true, but what is it? And then that's when God brought me back to my upbringing. You remember the fear you had? Yeah. It's that type of fear that makes people not do what God called them to do. Fear. Huh? See, fear is counterproductive.
to your destiny. Now listen, you're going to have fear. You should have fear. But you can't let fear be your guide. Don't let fear stop you from doing what you're asked to do. Because fear has made, you know, that moved many people to attempt to tell God, well, God, uh, let me do it. Like, can I do this? Or I don't want to go with this. And it's really not, your, you're not arguing with God. It's your fear. And you're trying to reason with God through your fear. See, humans really are the only dumb creatures that are, are, are well, they're the only creatures that are dumb enough to argue with God. You know, I've never seen a, 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 a mountain lion say no. I don't want to kill that deer. Shut up, God. Well, you, can't, you can't tell me what to do. I, I've never seen a, a giraffe argue with God. God, why did you give me this long neck? Well, you don't mess me up. You see how many hickeys I can have on my neck? I mean, why, you know, you never see anything like that. But men, oh, women, oh, well, no, I don't know. Oh, God, God, oh, God's doing that. Oh, God, why are you doing that? God, God, I want my man next to me. He's so busy. He's, over, he's doing more for God. What about me? I've, I've seen that many times. Or, or vice versa. But humans are all the only creatures dumb enough to argue with God. And when I thought about that, it, God chooses who he uses. And maybe that's, because, that, that, you know, we look at talent and all these things. God doesn't. God, I don't know if he's a joker up, up in, up in heaven. Hey, let's crack a joke. Let's, let's, let's get the useless one. Yeah, yeah, get that one. He, he, one. he thinks he's no good. He can't do it. That's the one I want. The one I can't do it. He's crying, sniveling. That crybaby Jeremiah, get him. That sniveler, Amos, pick him. Oh, that little ruddy boy, pick him. That prophet, pick him. Jose, pick him. No, I'm just kidding. Right? He don't go for the, 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 the shine. Ooh, wow, yeah, that's the one. He, he's my man. If he can't do it, no one can. No, he don't do that. God just chooses who he wants to use. And God will great, go to great lengths to get your attention. He's not going to be, God, are you calling me? And people say, I'm not sure God's calling me. Listen, when you're like that, it's because you're allowing your fear to listen and not your faith. Because you'll know. When God calls, he calls. He don't play around. When God calls you, you will know it. It's not like maybe. When you start saying, ah, because God is not going to waste his time. God won't force you to do his will. He will call you. He will ask you. You'll say yes or no. If you say yes, if you're ill-equipped, he'll prepare you. If, if you say no, he'll move and find somebody else. So when God calls you, don't think, oh, he'll come back when I'm ready. Well, if you wait for that, you'll never go to ready. You'll be, you'll be in hell and say, I'm not ready yet. Okay, you're in hell now. It's your choice. Huh? But if God is calling you, listen, it's your choice. But if God is calling you, let me say it again, it's your choice. But if God is calling you and you don't do it, you will be the most miserable person on the face of the planet. I could end right there. Uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. Amen. See, Moses had an encounter. And I, I like Moses because he's kind of like us. You know, we, we look at him and we watch the cartoon. We think, ooh, Moses. No, no, but he was all messed up. Right? So Moses is out in the field. You know the story in Exodus chapter 3. And I don't have to go through the whole scripture. But he's out there and he sees a bush. He sees a strange sight. He sees a bush that's burning but not being consumed. Right, and it catches attention, and he goes up to the mountain, and all of a sudden he gets to the mountain, and the bush goes, 
Moses, Moses. Now, now I don't know about you, but so I, I, when, before Christ, I did a lot of illegal activity. And if a bush started saying, Albert, Albert, I would say, man, I am, I'm having a heavy flashback right here. I done took too much window pane. You know what I'm saying? Something's going on in my mind because this bush is talking to me. Right? See, when God wants to get your attention, he's getting your attention. Right? I don't know if anybody had a bush talk to him lately. If you had, you better stop smoking that stuff. But we know in the story, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses. Right? So when God calls, he, he confronts doubt. He goes, I'm going to call you, and you're not, I'm going to just deal with doubt. So you could safely say that Moses realized, I think God has got, wants to talk to me. Right? God made sure that Moses had no doubt it was him. A bush that didn't burn, a bush that spoke. See, God still appears to men today. Oh, he may not come in a burning bush, but he comes, and he's loud and clear. In the, in the lives of the believers, in signs and wonders, God has, and he will call you. And when he calls you, you'll have no doubt. You'll know. Hmm? You will know. I'm amazed that, that Christians can, can doubt God's capabilities. You know, they, they do. We question his ability to be God. God, are you who you say you are? Or will you do what you say you're going to do? God, will you deliver? And we believe it when we're not going through trouble. We're happy, you know, got money in the bank, right? We're not mad at our wife. Everything's going good. You know, your, your dog is not peeing in the couch. Everything's going good. Yeah, God, I'm God you can do anything. But the moment all hell breaks loose, Oh, God, why have you forsaken me? My reading, our nerves, my nerves, I can't take it, God. This, this can't be God. Huh? Aren't we so, uh, we're a strange breed, aren't we, humans? Huh? He comes, and we doubt God's capability. But listen. You're going to doubt God's capability when you first come in, like, for the sake of uh, example, when you're that little in the Lord, you know, young in the Lord, you're going to doubt him. Once you pass it, you're going to get to the next level. But you're going to come to that same point. You're going to doubt him. And you're going to have to pass that again. And then you're going to go to the next level, a little higher. You're going to doubt him. Then you've got to pass that again. You're going to go to the next level. Then you're going to doubt him. And you're going to go to the next level. You're going to doubt him. See, what am I saying? Stop doubting him. Stop doubting them. Huh? If he did it before, he'll do it again. Oh, come on now. Somebody say amen. Yeah. See, when God calls, you will have no doubt. The first day, the first day, I, I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus from Jack in the Box. Matter of fact, I knew Jack in the Box better. So I walked into Victor Outreach, but something was pulling me. The Holy Spirit was drawing me. And I know. And when I walked into that door, I looked around, and I, the first guy was Gene Perez, one of our homeboys, Gene Perez. I looked at Gene, he goes, hey, Loma. Because they come in, Loma, what are you doing here? And I looked at him, I go, God's got a call on my life, and I'm going to do something here. The first day I walked in, and Gene says, hey, Loma's loaded again. They thought I was crazy. I go, no, I knew. When I walked, I knew, I knew, just like you know, when God's got a call on you. 
You know, you wouldn't be here right now if you didn't know God called you. Huh? You wouldn't be here. God has a call on your life. But what happens, you have all these little doubts, all oh, the little struggles, the little things come in and out. Wah, 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 wah. Right? Huh? God will call you. See, time and talent, listen, time and talent in Christ will cloud your call if you allow it to. Because you've been around a while. Well, God, I've been around a while and, and nothing's happening. And, you know, I'm kind of getting bored. And, uh, you know, I got this offer. And, I, and this, matter of fact, I know this is God. I'm called to open up a car dealership. Or I'm called to do whatever. God didn't call you to sell cars. Huh? God called us to reach souls, to reach people. I don't care what you call. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're flipping hamburgers. You better flip your hamburger for Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him a hallelujah burger. Pray for that burger. So that whoever, Lord, if I work at the hamburger stand, I go, Lord, whoever bites into this Big Mac, they're going to get slain with the power of the Holy Ghost. I put an anointing on my French fries. I anoint my ketchup. I'm going to baptize them with ketchup. I go, I'm telling you, that's how crazy I am. Because I'm not, you're not called to flip burgers. You're not called to, to build tractors. You're not called to, to sell stuff. You're called, if I was a clothes salesman, shoot, every, every wardrobe where I work would, would be anointed with oil. You got me working here at, at Macy's. Well, the next rich chick that walks in, I'm going to make sure I put a double anointing because she's probably Jezebel. <laughs> Get that sister saved. That's how you got to think. You're called. We're not just called to be, oh, well, I, well, well, where do you go? I, I go to this church. Oh, what church do you go to? Oh, lovely. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Oh, I love your shoes. Oh, I love you. Love your shoes. Nice. No, man. See, as you mature, you should begin to sense in your heart you're calling more and more if you don't allow these other things to bring down because doubt will come in. And as your calling gets closer and closer to the real deal, why, you'll begin to get reassurances. But through, before that, every voice in the world is going to say, don't do it, follow me. Don't do that, come with me. Oh, don't get involved in that. Do this. Here, come, come here, over here. Huh? See, between your initial call and your assurance, there's one thing that really gets in your way. You. We get in the way. Those other things are symptoms. That's, those are not the problem. Huh? So, Pastor Sonny and Nikki prayed for me for the city. But before they prayed, I'll share with Dwayne, before they prayed for me, I didn't want to be here. Let's get real deeper. I didn't want to be a pastor. When I said I knew I'm going to do something for God, I had no idea what a pastor was. And then I saw my pastor dealing with people like me. I said, oh, heck no. I ain't doing that. Oh, heck no. If I was Pastor Steve, I'd knock that fool out. But I said, good thing I'm not a pastor because I, oh, heck no. Some of these people, these stiff-necked people, I would not deal with them. Oh, no, patience, patience, are you kidding me? And I think when I'm saying that, God is in heaven laughing. Hey, Gabriel, look at the dummy down there. He thinks he's not going to do that. You know who I call him? You guys, he probably call a legion of angels. You guys want to laugh? Oh, ho, ho. They're not in heaven. They're not going, oh, they're looking at me and going, ho, ho, ho. Laughing at me. Huh? So I didn't want to be here, right? So I get here and I, and I say, oh, no, I'm not staying in this place. 
I'm leaving. I'm, I'm out. I, cause I, you know, I came from the, you know, Northern California, pretty rugged neighborhood. So my mind, I said, no, no, I want to go with the deepest, darkest devil, that. I want to go to the big city. I want to go like the, those, those old demons. I want to go to the East Coast and get one of those 3,000-year-old demons and slap them silly, right? I want a big, I want a, uh, a big inner city, right? I'm thinking in my mind, and God sent me to Colorado Springs. Are you kidding me? I come to Colorado Springs. I said, what am I going to do over here, God? Golf? There's more golf courses than dopings. Hello. I didn't know that 20 years later, there's a lot of dopings now. Amen. They're here. So God was getting me ahead of time. But I didn't want to come here. So I said, God, I'm not going to be here. No, I don't want to be here. In fact, I challenge you. Okay, you want me to be here? Here's a challenge. Here's, here's here my fleece. Because, you know, we're doubting. Remember I talked about doubt? Okay. All right. For me to stay here, Pastor Sonny has to fly in from La Puente, California to this city and pray for me by myself for this city. If he doesn't, I'm out. So, so I tell my wife, this is what I did. So pack your bags because there's no way Pastor Sonny's coming out here to pray for me. There's no way. Why would he come out here? He's in La Puente. He don't care about me. He don't even know who I am. Right? So I, I, I put the fleece that was impossible. Last day, truce with Nikki Cruz. Nikki, that's why I have them two up there. Last day. Zit, last day. August 30th, 26, uh, 2090, uh, 1996, right? I got my dates. Sitting there, and Nikki goes, and right now we want to pray for the pastor of Victor Arch. I didn't have a church yet. We didn't have a church. Al, come up here, come up here. I want, I want to pray for you. We're going to hand you the keys to the house that you got. The day before, I was going to be homeless. That's when I, that's when I really got mad. Actually, I, let me back up. I had two days, and we we're going to be homeless, right? And here's my, Larry and Jose were with me. I go, well, we got nowhere to live, Larry. We got nowhere to go, Jose. I had my three kids, Larry, my wife, and Jose, and that was it. And we're like, we're done. And if we don't have a place to live in two days, we're homeless. And I'm, I'm getting mad at God. Are you with me? What the heck? Was anybody up there? What are you doing to me? I didn't sign up for this. I said I'd serve you. I didn't say I'd go homeless. Right? And I was like, I was, okay, this, and I told my wife, this is it. Because we, we got nowhere to go. A day later, somebody walks up to me and says, I heard you need a house. I go, yeah. He goes, here's the key. I go, well, I don't, I don't have no money, no deposit. I can come up with 800 bucks. Give me 800 bucks and you're in. That's the house of Amyville where I met you. I go, here, you're in. I said, whoa, that's heavy. I go, who are you? Oh, I just heard about it and you can have this house. Oh, do I got to sign a contract? Oh, we'll do that later. Well, I, now I'm dumbfounded. Then I'm thinking, wait a minute, I want to go back to California. I'm looking, lying devil, trying to give me a house, huh? I know a devil when I see one. You know, you think you know it all. You don't, we don't know nothing, right? Wait a minute. So the next day, last day, I go up. He calls me up. And my fleece, remember? Oh, Nicky, so we're going to pray for the pastor. So I come up there, and Nicky's right next to me. And he goes, but I'm not going to pray. Now I look at him like, huh? I'm going to ask the, the founder of Victory Out International, Pastor Sonny, he flew in last night. Pastor Sonny, why don't you come in here? And I want you to pray for Albert. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. 
I'm like this, I'm like, I'm like, huh? What? No, no, no! No, I don't want to go home! <laughs> no! Why? <laughs> Anybody been there? That's just me. He prays for me. So, after that, I go down. I said, all right, God. I'm a man of my word. I said, okay. So that's why no matter what I go through, I don't understand what God is doing in my life, in the ministry. I almost died. I don't, but I know one thing. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die here. If I'm going to live, I'm going to live here. I am called to do what I do. I don't know what to do anything else. God has called me. So you're, I, I got an assurance. Was there fear? Of course. But forget fear. Fear is a punk. That's how I got to look out fear. Where's fear at? Let me slap you, punk. I'm a man of God. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm called to reach treasures out of darkness. I'm called to establish a church. I'm not only called here. I'm called to travel the world and make leaders. And that's what I'm going to do. But you have to fight through it. Because everything is engineered by the enemy. Everything is geared by the devil. Everything is strategized by the world to interfere with God's call on your life. Everything. Oh, I've had opportunities to... I've had one guy who said, look, I have a church for you in Texas. Remember um, Bobby? Uh, and, and we'll give you a house and a salary. I go, a salary? I haven't had salary since lunch yesterday. That's the only salary I get. Salary? What's a salary? Huh? I don't need a salary. Huh? I need a vision. I need a call. I need a purpose. I, I, need a, I need a reason for existing. I don't need a salary. No. I ain't got no problem with the salary, but that's what I'm here for. Amen? See, God called us. Huh? If you sense God's call, you will never be totally confident until you submit to it. In contrast and in combat, people to, to totally be prepared, rather say like this, people... Contrast and combat, combat, because it's a battle. They think they have to be totally prepared to submit to God's calling. It doesn't work that way. Very, very easy answer. That is impossible. Why? Because if you were prepared and God called you, you'd be so proud because you would think that you're doing it. That's the first thing he wants to wipe out of you. Huh? So now when you're not prepared, it's, you're right where God wants you. When you think you can't do it, ooh, you're the woman. When you know it's impossible and you have no talents, that's the one that God wants to use. But you don't want to, I, I have nothing to offer. Yes, you do. All you need to have is a willingness to say, yes, God, I will do it. That's all you need. That's all you need. You need this other stuff. Now, here's the good news about fear and doubt. There, there is good news. The good news is this. Doubt and fear are evidence that God is calling you. Because when God calls you to something, if God is not in it, you are doomed to fail. So when God calls you, there's doubt and fear. Who has evidence? Because if you said, God called me, and I got this. Ooh, you're in trouble. It's evidence. That's where God wants you. Why? Because when you're in that position, 
right? These hated emotions of doubt and fear make us the most dependent on God. That's the good news. The most hated. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like fear. Remember I told you, I was raised in fear. I hate doubt. I want to be sure of everything. But you know what? Those things eliminate the need for God. But when I'm at a position where my nerves are racked and I'm shaking and I know, God, if you don't come through, I'm going to fail. That's what God is the greatest. That's what the Bible says. When I am weakest, his power is perfected. And listen, I'd rather, be in, I'd rather live in my weakness so that I can have his power. So I can have his authority. So I can walk in the confidence that I am a man of God. I can walk that I've been called. I can walk under the anointing. That's what I want. I don't want confidence. I want God. Because we have a great call. Huh? See, the Lord is not concerned with your confidence he needs your willingness. The confidence will come later, but it's the willingness, willingness that leads the way. Why? Because God is listening to the cries of people go anywhere without say, seeing somebody hurting. I don't care if you're at the White House or the outhouse. Somebody is hurting. And, and when you look at the story of Moses, what moved God? It says in their chapter that God heard the cries of the Israelite people. He heard their cries. They were crying out, God, help us. We're in bondage. God, help us. We're, we're being tortured. God, my children, God. He heard the cries. Do you hear the cry? Do you hear people hurting See, that's what moved God. God always hears the cries of the lost and the hurting, the cry of this lonely people, the cry of the world. See, for victory outreach, the cry of every inner city. It's the same type of calling this, that prompted Jesus to go to the cross. Why else would we do this, this difficult, challenging, but great and beautiful ministry? Because we hear the cry. We hear the people. Huh? See, unlike Moses, Jesus came under obedience. Huh? See, but Moses had an argument with God. Unlike Jonah, see, he didn't need to be shipwrecked or thrown off a boat or swallowed by a fish. Some Christians need to be swallowed up by a fish. I wish I could throw you a monument in the lake right now. You know, get in the lake right there. God, get a fish. I like that. Matter of fact, turn to Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, 17, it says, And the Lord appointed, I like what he said. It's amazing what God is. We read it, we don't believe God can do anything. God can do anything. It says there, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah 1, 17. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then he began to pray. See, in the fish, he got holy. Omnipotent heavenly father. If thy would just delivereth me from the fishy, I will do thy will. Come on. Right? It took a fish. And sometimes I wish, you know, I could take your measurements. I go, God, this one's five foot six. You know, what, about 200 pounds. Can you make a fish for this one? This one? Oh, she's little. Four foot 11. Let's get, okay. I, I wish I could measure you and give you, God, here's your measurements. Make me a bunch of fish. 
Ah, throw these suckers in the bull. I can't do that. Hello's on one. Look to your neighbor. Fish food. Huh? So he, he, but the thing is, I, I got a weird imagination. So God's in heaven. He looks down the ocean. He goes, okay, that fish. You, fish. Now, what did the fish do? You swim along? Yes. What did the fish do when God said, go swallow that guy up? Did he argue? He said, I can't right now, God. I know you want to use me, but right now, I, have, I, just, I got a car payment, and I really can't do nothing right now uh, uh, because I'm kind of busy. Can you get another fish? There's a whale. He's more suited to that guy because my mouth, but that guy, he can, easy. No, that fish didn't have an argument. He, he said he appointed the fish, and the fish would right there instantly. Wouldn't it be great if we were like that fish? Huh? So he's over there. Let me keep moving on. And in verse 10, if you go down, then it says this. Because I try to figure out, how did, how did God do this? The Lord spoke to the fish. First he appointed the fish. He said, you were called. Listen, he called the fish. There was a calling on the fish's life. We can actually say there are fish more obedient than us. He called the fish. And after he called the fish, then he spoke to him. See, we want to be spoken to first. And then, no, no, God calls you. He appointed the fish, and then verse 10, he said, and the Lord spoke to the fish. Now, what a calling. His calling, the fish's calling was to throw up. I'm kind of a weird preacher, aren't I? It says, and, the, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. So when God wants to get something done, it goes back to the beginning. You'll know it. Now, I pray you ain't a Jonah. He may not make a fish. You know, I think the modern-day fish right now is what we call jail. Sometimes people know to, need to go to jail. You're in the belly of the fish. Huh? With the, with the warden, look, he looked like a jellyfish, amen? With the, with the warden in there, and the, and the, and the, right? He'll put you in the belly, swelly belly. Because you got a call. He wants to get your attention. See, that's God's secret weapon. The victory home, the women's home, and the men's home. Right? Destruction of the lifestyle, all that stuff. We think it's all oh, God, that's the devil. And it is the devil, but God always turns around. That with the devil, man for evil. God always turns it around. For good. For good. So for good. It's the cry that happened. Can you hear them? Can you hear them? The lonely housewife, the single mother, the casual drug and alcohol abuser, or the one, the drug addict, the prostitute, the gang member. See, for followers of Jesus, those cries demand our response. They, they should compel us to do something. See, Victor Outreach. Here's the cry. Is that again? Victory average. Here's the cry. While elders may simply hear them and get touched emotionally and allow fear and doubt to enter their heart, this church, I'm going to say again, this church is going to rise up and heal the water. This church. We're going to rise up and heal the water. We're going to reach out to the hurting. Why? Because that is what God has called us to do. Yeah.
That's what he's called us to do. We're not going to let the world bring us down and sidetrack us, and we're not going to have any kind of excuses. It's like Moses. I'm coming for a landing. Moses, you know, God, who am I? I can't do it. God, not me. Who are you? Then he can question God. Who are you, God? Well, who will I tell him that sent me? You know, uh, uh, I'm just nobody. I, 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 just, I just took care of sheep. I can barely talk. I can barely. I was with the sheep so long, I don't talk like bad. I don't know how to say anything. Right? He goes, shit, Moses, if you can't talk, I'll make your brother talk for you. Who I am? You don't have to tell him who I am. You just say, I am that I am. So get going. But Moses, but mother God, but God, I can't, I can't, I can't. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Mr. and Mrs. Moses? See, God is not concerned with who you are. His concern is the people that are hurting. What he wants to be accomplished. He, he, if he knew who you are, he'd give up. He knows who you are, and he still wants to use us. I should say us. He knows who we are, and he still wants to use us. Yes, he does. God is just looking for a person interested enough in the need. Are you interested just a little bit? Do you see bondage out there? Are you inter interested just enough? That's what he wants. See, if you have an interest, God will use you. God is not moved by your talent, your education, your money. No, no. Do you have an interest? God will use you. Huh? God will use you. He knows who you are, and we have to know who he is. Because really, most believers have a limited idea of who God is. They know, they know Jesus, yeah, they do. They claim to have faith, right? But their efforts for the master, their efforts for the master, what they do need a little tweaking. Well, I better, don't use that word, sorry. The affirmation. They use tweaking in this word, all of a sudden they start, they want to start looking out the window, amen? Affirmation, amen? To know God, to know who God is, here's a loaded question. Do you know who God is? See, to know who God is, is to do what he says. We don't want to just know God, right? We want to do what he says. John 15, 14 reads, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. See, I want to be a friend. See, I want to have two main friends here. Of course, I want to be a friend of God. And the quality here is, is that I have to do what he says. That's it. But I also want to be a friend of sinners. The Bible said Jesus was a friend of sinners. That doesn't mean I agree with their sin. Of course not. That doesn't mean I agree with their lifestyle. Never. I want to keep my convictions high. But be able to walk to their house, talk to them, and them know that when there is a need... Or when they would need a way out, or if they're tired of their life, they can say, you know what, there's this pastor, man, he won't trip on my background. He ain't going to look at all the things I did. I can go to him. I want to be their friends. That's my goal. Remember what I said last week, my tomb, 
Pastor Al, a friend of sinners. Because I hear people, I see more people like you with talent, with moxie, man, with kora, we call it kora, heart, willing to do damage for the devil. And the devil try to kill you. There's a bunch of you guys out there. They need to be here with us so we can kill that punk, the devil. We can turn it on him. That's what we've we got to find. That's who we got to be. I see young girls being manipulated by men on the streets, lying to them just to get what they want from them. We got to get them in here, make them women of God, pure, honorable, give them back their dignity. There's people out there. And I've learned something. I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need your help. This is what God showed me in the mountain. I need your help. Do you hear? Are you willing to answer the call? So we're unique, Victor Arich. What kind of weird, huh? We're a peculiar people. But we're a family. We're a family. I think the guys went up there they understand that. We're a family. But more important, I think, or as important, we're an army. They sang a song. When we ended, the worship team sang the song. Warrior, pick up your sword. This is our time now to reach the world. He has given us his favor and opened every door. The time has come for nations to restore. That's, I believe that. That's what we need, are people like that, that are willing to fight. Willing to fight for people you don't even know. You'll get to know them. Willing to fight for a cause. Not, a, not just we're dying for, we're living for. That's what I learned 33 years ago when I walked in the Victor Arch door. Somebody fought for me. Warrior, pick up your sword. This is our time now to reach the world. He has given us his favor and opened every door. The time has come for nations to restore. If God has spoke to you, we're going to open the, the altar. I want to pray for you.